Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week 5 has arrived, and we're getting ready for another round of excellent games this weekend, including the start of everyone's favorite, Maction. We'll be touching on some of those big-time matchups and the valuable information that they can give us going forward, followed by, of course, another round of your fan-submitted start-and-sit scenarios for this weekend. All this and more coming right after this. Junior touchdown! Marvelous mark! Ball next to the outside, drop down for Franklin! Oh, majestic! Touchdown! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. Alright, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chasing the Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Wednesday morning. We are the College Fantasy Football Podcast on the Campus to Canton Podcast Network. You can find us on all of your podcast feeds and on YouTube every Monday and Wednesday mornings during the season at 6 a.m. sharp. If you want to support the great work that we are doing here, head on over to CampusToCanton.com and subscribe there with one of our uh, what's the word I can go with? Grand. We'll go grand tiers this week. You'll find everything you need there for your CFF, Devi, and C2C and betting needs, including articles, rankings, projections, tools, and even more than that. You can find me on the sh- me and the show on Twitter. I'm at CFF underscore Jared, and the show is at Chasing the Natty. You can also find our wonderful co-host here, Mr. Justin at Volume Pigs on Twitter as well. Speaking of Justin, Justin, how are you doing on this fine Tuesday night, sir? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. You know, we're I feel like we're in mid-season form at this point. Uh, things are pretty hectic week to week. I'm sure for you as well. Uh, but yeah, this was a great weekend of college football. A lot of big games, a lot of massive performances in CFF, particularly amongst players that are not highly rostered. So that's kind of exciting. Oh yeah. Uh, and as usual, I'm excited for this upcoming weekend. Feels like every weekend's a big weekend in college football. So uh, yeah, can't complain. Things are going good. We already had people like at the start of this weekend. I get it. Like relative to last weekend, this weekend's like, you know, not as hype in terms of some of the matchups and everything, but there are already people being like, oh, this is a sleepy weekend in college football. I'm like, well, you're just getting ready to cause a bunch of chaos now. But if a ranked Kansas versus Texas matchup doesn't get you excited, like, I don't know what will. Like, that that that's, that seems like the ultimate opportunity for just some craziness. Again, we got some more ranked v ranked matchups between LSU, Ole Miss, Notre Dame, Duke. We'll talk about those games here in a second. And but again, there's also just some high scoring matchups that we'll touch on here. So, Justin, like you said, we're in midseason form. One thing I kind of brought up earlier this week with the waiver wires and everything like that it was something I was kind of muse- musing over in the last episode with especially with regards to running backs, you kind of touched on it there. There were a lot of really big performances amongst players that were not highly rostered. I want to get your opinion because I kind of said my piece, but like, how do you kind of sift through the frauds from the Hmm. friends? 
when it comes to those guys who have really big performances, like high volume performances, but like, you know, are they a flash in the pan or is it something real for down the line? How do you kind of sift through that? Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. Probably one of the most probably important skills in CFF, trying to sift through sort of the uh, pretenders from the contenders. Uh, it's multifaceted for me. I won't take too long to answer, but generally, you know, you look for a pattern of volume there. And, you know, as we mentioned, these guys kind of broke out. So for most of them, there isn't really a pattern of volume. So you kind of look at like, well, what was the reasoning behind this uptick? You know, if it was due to an injury to another player that they've been splitting carries with, you know, it's not exact. it's not necessarily like the death nail in my, you know, potential excitement about that player, but it is something I keep in mind, right? Like DJ Giddens is an example. It's like massive game. Obviously everybody wanted him this week. Uh, but, you know, you look at the context, okay, he was splitting carries before of Trayshawn Ward. Who knows what's going to happen, you know, going forward. Maybe Ward's completely out of the picture. Maybe he's not, right? It's tough to say. Um, you know, you look at some of the other players. I don't know if Buckley is, you know, available on most people's leagues. He was actually in one of my leagues. He got dropped after the last couple of weeks. If you look at him, it's like, well, he wasn't really great the last couple of weeks, but now he's, he's torching it again in Mac, right? He's obviously a player. You have to roster him. Yep. Uh, so you kind of look at the context, right? Like, did they, was there something structural that happened behind the scenes? Like, did they win the starting job all of a sudden? Did the coach come out and say, like, oh, we're, we're going to go with this guy going forward? That's much more tangible to grab onto versus just sort of the out of nowhere high volume and, you know, the reasoning for why they weren't getting volume before uh, is probably coming back at some point, right? In the form of a player returning from injury. So those are a little bit more dubious. Uh, but that being said, I mean, you know, sometimes that big performance ends up warranting more volume and that's just how things end up going, going forward. So it, it can work out. Uh, you really want to consider like, what's the context there, why there was just this all of a sudden uptick in volume. Yeah. And I think the other thing you kind of mentioned, like looking for patterns, like obviously, like you said, with, with these guys breaking out now, there's not really a pattern beforehand, but what I think you can look for is did they kind of earn more carries on a week-by-week -week basis? I think a good example is Amani Bailey for TCU. Like, he didn't start out toting the rock 20 times a game for TCU this year. But as, you know, he was clearly the more efficient back. They relied on him a ton between the 20s. Trey Sanders wasn't really much to write home about. You just saw his production kind of go up and up every week. Or, excuse me, his volume go up week after week to now where he's a clear start in your fantasy leagues for the most part. Cause it just, he's a guaranteed 20, 25 touches in a week kind of guy versus like a guy like, I don't know, Parker Jen Jenkins this last week. I like Parker Jenkins. I like what I saw out of him with Houston last week. I even recommended him as a guy to grab off your rosters because of what Houston's done in the past with freshmen like Ultima Casco. But at the same time, like, he went from having four carries and four carries to all of a sudden 20. That's a pretty massive jump. That feels like a potential hot hand situation. You got Tony Mathis supposedly coming back this week. He's yeah. worth rostering because of, you know, the potential that he can be. But, like, I wouldn't start him anytime soon. That is kind of the thing I wanted. To, I was trying to touch on. I was terrible in the way that I articulated it earlier this week. But when you pick up somebody off the waiver wire, I think it's also a skill to know, am I picking this guy up because I can't afford to miss out on him, but I also can't start him? Like, you have to know that kind of difference between the two different players right there. There are players you pick up, especially early on in the season. You pick them up, you start them immediately because that is just a situation that we missed on in the offseason. This is clearly the guy. We need to go with that. Versus other times, 
you pick them up because if you're if you miss out, you're gonna miss out on something big. But you gotta sit there and let them cook on your bench a week or two just to make sure that you what you picked up is what you think it is. So I'm glad I got a little redemption there to kind of articulate that a little bit better. We got to get through some of these games here though, Justin. Let's go talk about some of these awesome games we got coming up on this weekend. And the first one here, I don't know what's up with my ticker tape tonight. We're just going to ignore that, everybody. Please ignore that. Anyway, I talked about it earlier. Fun, fun matchup here. Ranked Kansas versus ranked Texas. Both of these teams, 4-0. Texas, the 17-point favorite, but the over-under here is 64. So Vegas clearly expecting both of these teams to be able to put up some pointage in this game. Justin, what are you looking for in this game? Are there really any unanswered questions with regards to these two teams, or what are you feeling? No, I, I don't really have too many unanswered questions. I mean, I'll be excited to watch this game. I think it'll be it'll be a good game. Certainly, it's good CFF wise, uh, in particular for Texas's players. I think um, you know they're favored in this game, but it should be close enough to where it's competitive, and so you kind of have a, a perfect game script for them. And there's a lot of good CFF uh, assets in this game. Definitely on the Texas side, uh, on the Kansas side as well. Look at Devin Neal, uh, Jalen Daniels, I assume, is playing. Uh, so, I mean, I think the game will be good, but I don't really have any questions. I mean, I, I think in terms of Texas, I think one question that there was in the offseason was, is there going to be a bell cow in that backfield? And that's kind of been answered over the past few weeks. I mean, at this point, I think the pattern's pretty clear. Uh, you know, he's not B. John Robinson, but Jonathan Brooks is doing a pretty good job back there and he sees good volume. So yep. I don't really have that many questions actually about this game. I think I know kind of where these teams stand, who the, who the guys that they like to use are. So, I mean, it'll be a good game. I'll tune in, but I, I don't have too many questions. I am interested to see if conference play Texas looks more like what they have against teams like Wyoming the last couple of weeks where it's kind of been sluggish. They're kind of sleepwalking their way through it. They can beat teams pretty easily, but you know, it's, there's no, there's not really like a high floor for a lot of the teams that they're playing against versus, um, versus like their games against like Alabama and Baylor, like much, much different games. there. your favorite fantasy players are going off. They're kind of, they're kind of rocking and rolling full-time on offense there. You're feeling really good about it. Um, and then also, again, like, I'm excited to see, like, just how competitive Kansas is. Like, again, they're they're 4-0 for the second time in two years. That's a minor miracle when it comes to the Jayhawks the last couple of years. Can Jalen Daniels kind of get back to that incredible fantasy scoring god that he was to start last season? Again, obviously, he's coming off of injury. But at the same time, like, he's also just kind of been in the – kind of in a – um, string of bad luck in terms of some of these games and just in terms of not getting touchdowns. Like, I think the Nevada game, he didn't score a single touchdown, which is just, like, unheard of for Jalen Daniels. They scored a ton of points in that game, but it was, like, all Devin Neal and the rest of the running backs. It was something crazy like that. So I'll definitely have my eye on that one. But like you said, I think for the most part, the answers for both these teams have been pretty answered. But it should be a fun matchup at 3.30 at ABC. Let's go ahead and move on to another matchup here. This one, SEC versus SEC, got th- number 13 LSU versus number 20 Ole Miss, 6 p.m. At, on ESPN, excuse me. LSU, a three-point favorite here, over under of 65.5. So once again, this is a much closer game. Both of these teams, based on that line, should be hitting the 30s in terms of their scoring. So Justin... Who's scoring in this game? 
Yeah, this is another one. I, yeah, I don't really have that many questions. I think, well, maybe on the Ole Miss side, uh, obviously Judkins hasn't quite been himself this season so far. And I think that's due to the fact that he's probably dealing with a lingering injury. Uh, I mean, he looked pretty good on a couple of runs early on against Alabama last weekend, but uh, certainly he hasn't quite been himself yet. So uh, that'll be something I'm I'm looking out for. I don't have any shares of his, but I am just sort of intrigued as to what's going on over there. Uh, as far as their wide receiver room, uh, I guess this Ole Miss in general is pretty plagued right now with injuries because uh, obviously Trey Harris is is kind of dealing with something. I believe Zachary Franklin is also still dealing with something. So, uh, you know, I like their receiver, Jordan Watkins. Uh, I have him in a league or two. Uh, he's been doing pretty good sort of in the absence of those uh, other two receivers. And if they're not really full speed this weekend, I, I'd expect Watkins to kind of have another big game. Um, He's kind of a name that's under the radar a little bit. I think in most CFF leagues, he's probably available. Uh, so if you need a plug-and-play guy, he might be somebody you might want to consider this weekend. On the LSU side, uh, I think we kind of know, you know what their formula is. I mean, Jaden Daniels is, is slinging it around. They've got two receivers who have been really productive so far. Uh, you know, and, and even the tight end is, is, is okay. They've kind of been sort of using a committee approach in the running back room. I don't really... Think there's a player i mean logan diggs is kind of the i guess rb1a since he's been you know since he's been back but even then he's not really he's not really a guy that i think in like a typical cff league you have to roster or have to play this week uh but in terms of who's scoring yeah i'd imagine the league neighbors probably gets on the board i'd imagine ryan thomas probably gets on the board Jaden daniels probably runs in a couple uh jackson dart probably runs in a couple uh we know who's not going to be on the board michael trigg uh, he's left the team for Ole Miss. So, you know, I'd like to see uh, a pre-score on the tight end uh, who's coming off of injury. He played last week, but his first game after sort of several weeks missed, so I didn't expect much. But I'd like to see if his role sort of increases as we go forward. You know, tight end really is a dry position, and Ole Miss in the past has, you know, been pretty good to the tight end before. So that's something I'd kind of look out for is to see is, there, is his role sort of increasing over time because he could be an interesting uh, value. Yeah, for sure. And I, I pretty much have my eyes on the same place. I was just looking up while you were talking about it there. Like, what's the up, latest updates with Zachary Franklin? Uh, Zachary Franklin played last week against Alabama. So I fully expect him to play in this game. And that makes me a little queasy about Jordan Watkins moving forward this week. Because, again, typically, if there is kind of a, I don't want to say a number one wide receiver at Ole Miss. Because, again, I don't trust Charlie Weiss, number one wide receivers there. But it is going to take some attention off of Watkins. It's going to create those kind of big play opportunities down the sidelines if Zachary Franklin is as good as we think he'll be in the SEC. Haven't been able to find anything on Trey Harris, but I believe the last I saw, they were kind of expecting him to possibly be back this week as well. That'd be really good to see what this Ole Miss wide receiver room looks like full strength. I Again, I agree. That's definitely where I'm interested in. And then you kind of touched on it as well. Judkins plays this week. I'm, I'm I'm hoping that he looks a lot better there, but I don't. Again, LSU's defensive line has performed very very well against Rush for the most part this season, outside of a couple of big runs here and there. But we'll definitely see. I think again, this could be a ton of fun, a game that's a ton of fun down the line. But I could also see LSU just kind of pulling a Mississippi State here, and like we think this could be a close game, but then all of a sudden, like LSU just pulls away by twenty and. That's all she wrote. Let's go ahead and move on to our third game here. The 7.30 game on ABC. This one is Mr. N- Mr. Good Lord. This one's Notre Dame at number 17, Duke. 
Notre Dame, the five and a half point favorite here, over under of 52. I think most of our questions with Notre Dame have been answered at this point. I think we know that they have enough good receiving options that there's really not one guy that's standing out amongst the bunch. If you have to start somebody, maybe Jaden Thomas, but again, they're kind of spreading around. Obviously, Audric Estime is a beast in his own right. Breaking away from that running back room was great to see, but I'm definitely more interested on the Duke side of things. Again, Duke's kind of been flying under the radar ever since that Clemson matchup and everything. Riley Leonard has had, you know, some good weeks, but he hasn't really been that CFF monster. Do we kind of see a different side of Duke come out once again when they're facing another top 10, top 15 opponent here in Notre Dame, especially this time playing at home? Actually, no, that's incorrect. They played Clemson at home as well. Regardless, do we see them? Do we see a different side of them once again? Does Riley Leonard finally kind of go off and really warrant the top four or five round selection that he was in many CFF leagues versus most people? I think you know who drafted him that high are probably kind of scratching their heads, wondering when am I going to get the Riley Leonard of old? So I'd be interested interested to see that this weekend. What about you, Justin? Anything you're kind of looking for in this game? Yeah, no, I, I think you covered I mean, on the Notre Dame side, I don't have, really have any questions. It, it was pretty tough sledding last week for Audrey Gestime, but as far as his role on that team, uh, I think that's kind of been answered. I mean, he, he's very much so, so the lead back there. Um, and yeah, I think on the wide receiver side, I mean, if you're quite desperate, Jaden Thomas potentially has a play. Uh, something that was interesting that stood out to me last weekend, actually, about Notre Dame was their tight end, Mitchell Evans, uh, actually did pretty well in that game, which is kind of odd because they had a different tight end earlier in the season who I believe had sort of more of the targets and then it's sort of migrated now over to Mitchell Evans. Uh, I only noticed because I was playing in one league where somebody was starting a Notre Dame tight end and it wasn't Mitchell Evans. And I was like, well, why why did they start him? And then I looked at the stat line and was like, okay, that player had more targets early on. So I guess they assumed he was the starting tight end, but it seems like Mitchell Evans is their guy at tight end. Uh, Even though Brian Kelly isn't there anymore, we, we all know... Uh, that program has been pretty good at the tight end position historically. So he's another one. You know, I mentioned pre-scoring earlier. It's just a position where it's so lacking that anytime there's any sort of spark or any idea where you, you think there might be some value, you might want to just track that, see if there's a pattern there. Uh, on the Duke side, yeah, I mean, Leonard obviously hasn't quite lived up to his billing. Uh, he had a, a good game against Clemson. He scored about 26, 27 points in sort of a regular league, regular league setup. I assume he'll probably do something similar this weekend against Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame's defense is also pretty good. Uh, And then, you know, they have those two wide receivers that are pretty good too, Jalen Calhoun and Jordan Moore. Jordan Moore had a really good game, I believe, last weekend. Uh, But we kind of knew about these guys already. Uh, I don't know if we really learned much different from them. But, uh, you know, I'd sort of be interested in tracking there to see, well, is Jordan Moore sort of ascending? Is there a guy sort of separating? I doubt it. I I think it's just a case where, you know, one guy will pop off one week, the other will pop off the next, but you never know. So that'll be something I'll look for. We will definitely see. I'm ready to go ahead and move on to the next game. I'm kind of excited about this one because it is Maction. And of course I have to pick the Maction matchup that probably features the two worst teams out of the Mac right now in Buffalo and Akron. Akron favored by two and a half points in this game over under of 55. I think if you're somebody, again, the bye weeks are starting. You're starting to kind of have to look, dig on the waiver wire, see if you can find some really good matchups. If you're somebody who's 
you know, somehow has like four or five of your starters out on week five, which was just super unlucky if you do. But like, if say that's the case, this might be a game I think you can go and look for some options here. Specifically, I am going to point out some Akron players here because I did not realize just how bad Buffalo's defense is, but they are a hundred plus in both the rush and the, and the passing game. So let's talk about Mr. Josiah Gathings. He's averaging 7.75 targets per game. So that's a pretty decent volume right now. I have not heard anybody talking about this guy. His ADOT is the highest among the top three receivers for the zips. Again, he is the top target on the team by a good six targets. He has a little bit of an issue with, you know, dropping the ball and, and such. So, like, you're, you know, the reception numbers, I think, still favor Daniel George at the moment. But even still, like, Gathing is getting those opportunities. Buffalo's passing defense is horrendous. I, I think he'll be able to kind of separate himself from those defenders a lot better in this game than he has been over the last couple of games here. That's probably a name that you need to file in the back of your head that if you're really, really struggling at wide receiver... Gathings is probably available everywhere. Like I said, I've not heard anybody mention this guy's name. And then the other name here is Lorenzo Lingard. He's probably a pretty good target here. The volume has not been great for him. I will fully admit that I think he's been averaging less than 10 carries a game here. But Buffalo is one of the worst, like bottom five rushing defense in the country. Lingard was a borderline was a former borderline five-star recruit. Obviously, he's been on a journey since then but he still has that explosive ability that can really kind of take over a game. I don't think he really needs more than 10 to 12 carries in this game to be more than an adequate fantasy option this week. It's, this is one of those times where I'm not going solely based on volume. I think Lingard could be an excellent grab at running back off the waiver wire if you really need him to be. That's pretty much kind of my main guys. I might also suggest to target Mar um, Marlon Johnson, the wide receiver out of Buffalo. He's got 25 targets in four games, so a little over six targets per game. But he has scored four touchdowns so far this year, so clearly he's a guy they look for in the red zone. So if you're looking for some of that touchdown upside, that's nice. Um, and Akron's pretty average to below average against the pass, so he'll probably have a pretty decent day. But otherwise... Justin, is anybody else kind of standing out to you as potential grabs in this game? I know, obviously, DJ Irons is a guy that a lot of people have roster, but what about uh, Cole Snyder? Is that somebody who might tickle your interest, potentially? Yeah, I mean, it depends on how desperate somebody is. I mean, uh, I mean, you mentioned DJ, DJ Irons, uh, obviously, and I guess he is rostered in quite a few leagues already. I would just say, like, yeah, looking at the pattern, basically – Whoever the quarterback is who's playing against Buffalo, uh, he seems like a good idea to start that week. Uh, and it's probably likewise true for Akron's defense. I haven't really tracked them as much, but this game just feels like it's going to be sloppy play, lots of broken tackles and lots of points. Yep. So Cole Snyder, like Buffalo just passes the ball so much. It's kind of weird. It sounds weird. I know if you've been around CFF for a few years, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't that long ago that they were known as the run heavy team, but they're, they're complete opposite now. They pass it so much. Uh, Jared was sort of rattling off the numbers there. They've got multiple receivers who are actually averaging like pretty good target numbers per game. Uh, you know, you have Nick McMillan there as well, who had a good game a couple of weeks ago, but I believe he got injured last weekend and I don't think he's going to be playing this weekend. Uh, you also have Cole Harity who had some good target volume earlier on. So you've got a bunch of receivers there who are seeing lots of targets uh, so obviously they are passing the ball quite a bit. So if you need a quarterback, this potentially is a sneaky play. Uh, 
Cole Schneider, I mean. Uh, on the Akron side, you know, yeah, DJ Irons, maybe this is a good game for him. You know, he hasn't been great this year. Uh, I see real, you want to mention something, Jared. Yeah, go ahead. I would say, uh, real quick, I will say DJ Irons going up against that Buffalo defense, he's rostered in 32% of leagues. So he is pretty available okay. in a lot of leagues. Okay, yeah. I think well, this would be I, I one figured, of the good matchups for him. Yeah, I figured, okay, maybe he was drafted a lot, probably dropped by now because he's been having a terrible start to the season. But, you know, that's another one. That's another system where, like, he's passing it quite a bit and running it. Uh, so he's there's a lot of opportunities for him to score. It's just that they're not really converting anything. Efficiency-wise, they're not great. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, you mentioned Lingard. He kind of had this breakout game along with a lot of other running backs this past weekend. And I believe he saw an uptick in volume as well um, from what he was normally getting. Uh, and then I guess the name that's probably the most rostered in this game is Alex Adams, I would assume. He might be dropped in a few leagues by now, but, you know, he's another guy where he was very productive last season. And he's been, you know, up and down this season, but this would be a game where you feel like uh, there's he's got every reason to, to succeed. So, you know, uh, if you need a player at wide receiver, he's not, not, not a terrible option. Uh, he's still rostered in 97% of leagues, so clearly okay. people who wow. did draft him are still kind of holding on to him. Holding out hope uh, that finally, in action, he can finally break out. He has seen an uptick in targets every single game. I think he started with three week one, then went to six, seven, eight now. So maybe that's a sign of things to come for him. Maybe he'll get back on track here pretty soon. All right. Let's go and break down our other game here. Another high-scoring game between two G5 opponents here that I think people can find. Some value here. Texas State versus Southern Miss. Texas State, the seven-point favorite here, over-under of 62. So once again, Vegas is expecting high 20s, low 30s for both of these opponents here. And I think there's some value to be found here. Um, One thing that I don't think people realize is that Texas State so far this year has been atrocious against the pass. You're talking about 118th against the pass in the country among teams. You have... Southern Miss, who hasn't been great with their passing game so far. But if you're looking for somebody in a pinch, one name I would kind of file in the back of my head maybe is Jacarius Kasten. He's been averaging 19 or almost 19 yards per reception, although he's only had about five targets per game. Clearly, when he does get targeted, when he does get those receptions, it goes for usually pretty big numbers there. He is clearly their deep threat option there. When you have a defense that, that is that poor against the pass, you should see him probably break away one big one during this game. And then on the other side, I mean, obviously Texas State, you like what you see there with TJ Finley. You might get a little squeamish about the fact that Southern Miss ha- is 23rd against the pass. But here's the thing. They're 120th against the rush. So I believe that that 23rd against the pass number is fraudulent. I believe that the reason why that... They have such good passing numbers is because nobody's throwing on them. Everybody's just running the ball against them. Why throw when you can just run the ball up the gut a hundred times? So I bet Texas State will drop that number down for Southern Miss. They should have a pretty fine got game there. Problem with Texas State, as we've seen before, is that they do kind of spread the ball around. If I had to pick one guy, it'd probably be Cole Wilson. Again, deepest threat option they have, most explosive receiver they have. I would expect him to be able to probably break a big one at some point during this game. But Justin, anybody kind of stand out to you that I haven't mentioned already? Or if I, if if you want to talk about somebody I've mentioned already, if you want to elaborate further on them, go right ahead. 
No, I, I think you did a pretty good job covering this one. I, I got to be honest, I'm not that excited about this game. I mean, obviously, Texas State has that great system where they're, you know, Gigi Kine is coming over and, and they're going to, you know, sort of pass it around. It's, it's it's quite disappointing, I have to say, this season that they didn't, they don't have sort of a, an alpha wide receiver. Uh, I was hoping Ashton Hawkins would be that. Uh, he definitely has not been that so far. He's been okay, but but nothing close to sort of what I would have expected. And as you mentioned, they really do just spread the ball around quite a bit at wide receiver, which is quite a frustrating thing. Uh, but it seems like they've sort of settled in with TJ Finley. So at least from the quarterback standpoint, you know, he presents some value. Uh, I know they had that running back this past weekend, Ishmael, but I can't remember his last name. You probably know. Howdy. There we go. Uh, yeah, he broke out this past weekend, and you've mentioned, you know, Southern Miss uh, better against the pass than the run. Um, you know, I'm not a believer necessarily in terms of uh, Ishmael uh, being a sustainable asset, but if you wanted sort of, a, you know, a dark throw this week, like let's say you were truly desperate at the position uh, and it was quite dry in terms of your options, he might be a guy that like you could throw in there, um, you know, as a Hail Mary. Uh, he had pretty good volume this past weekend. I believe it was over 20 carries. He had a good game. It was just kind of out of nowhere. And um, information is sparse, so it's kind of difficult to tell, like, what the reasoning was behind that, right? Like, we talked about this at the top of the hour. Like, some players, like Rodney Hammond at Pitt, you know, there was language behind why he's getting, you know, he's getting more volume, and you can kind of follow that. Versus this, it's really hard to tell. Like, what was the reasoning? Is it just game script? Is it hot hand? Very hard to tell. But if you're really desperate, maybe that's a play that you look for. We may or may not be discussing him, for those of you listening, in one of our sit and starts later on. So I will definitely have some information to uh, bring up there for, um, oh my gosh, it, I believe it's just pronounced Ishmael. Like it's a different way to spell it, like Ishmael. Ishmael Mady. Um, excuse me, Madi, excuse me. I, I misspelled his name. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm failing epically over here. Sorry. Anyway, that's that's an indication that we should go ahead and get on to sit and starts over here because, you know, if, if we don't, I'm going to lose my mind over here, Justin. Let's go ahead and get on to it. Where is my graphics? There's our graphics. Perfection. There we go. And once again, ticker tape is sitting there being a little butt. All right, there we go. Anyway, um... Let's start with our first one here. This one comes to us from Mr. Joe Arpazi from the YouTube comment section. This is a six-point passing touchdown league. He is asking us to choose one between Zeon Chris, the quarterback out of Louisiana going up against Minnesota this week, or we could go with Jacob Zeno, the quarterback out of UAB going up against Tulane, or we can go with Braden Fowler Nicolosi, the quarterback out of Colorado State going up against Utah tech this week justin gonna throw it over to you first man which are you gonna go with sure yeah i mean uh, in terms of just the player uh, i like Sion chris and jacob Zeno the most fowler is kind of the newest but he has the best matchup um yeah immediately i'm, I'm gonna eliminate chris uh, i don't like that matchup he's been really good the past couple weeks but i uh the G5 versus P5 thing makes me a little uneasy. Minnesota is typically pretty good on defense. Uh, so that one I'll cut out. Uh, as far as Zeno and Fowler Nicolosi, the thing about Zeno is like we have this data point from last weekend versus Georgia where he didn't have a great game, but he still had a good game. Like He finished with like 26 or 27 fantasy points in like a regular format. 
which to me is like anytime you get that, I mean, that you can't really complain. I mean, that's sort of the target, uh, that at least the minimum that you would say, well, that's that was a good, good weekend or a good game for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Tulane is a good defense, uh, but Zeno has been extremely consistent all season. Like he hasn't had a bad game yet, and he played against Georgia this past weekend, which I find quite remarkable. So I'm actually just going to roll with Zeno because I, I feel he's quite safe. I know it's a you know the matchup; it's not ideal, but if he could score 26 versus Georgia, uh, granted some of that was in garbage time, uh, I think he can still be pretty effective versus Tulane. So I'm 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 a happy man. I'm a happy man here, Justin, because you know why? We're disagreeing immediately. We're not going to have another week where we're going to agree on everything. This is going to be great. I'm going to go uh, Fowler Nicolosi here. I would agree with you in a vacuum that, again, Zeno, Chris, both of them have a bit more to do with their legs. You're probably looking at them probably potentially having a higher scoring offense in conference matchups for the most part. But I agree with you that Chris going up against Minnesota, that's just too scary of a matchup. Some people might point to, well, oh, Minnesota let Northwestern score 37 points on them last week. That was like a complete anomaly for that defense. That was a... Super, super weird game if you go back and watch that one. I do not trust that Chris is going to be able to put up something remotely similar to what Ben Bryant was able to do last week. And then I agree with you that my initial thought was like, oh yeah, Zeno did really well against Georgia. That's a pretty good data point. But until you realize just how much of his production came off of turnovers, the fact that he was getting some short fields in that game against Georgia kind of increase the likelihood that he was going to get involved with touchdowns, whether it was passing the ball or running it in, I believe, in the fourth quarter after a pretty heinous Gunnar Stockton uh, interception there. I It scares me a little bit that we think he's better. It, I think it kind of gives an indication that he's better against good defenses than necessarily we're kind of giving him credit for. And otherwise, but otherwise I might... That might be enough for me to start him, but again, I'm going to go Nick. Uh, I'm going to go Fowler Nicolosi here. I think this is the kind of game where Colorado State's going to try to run it up. They're going to try to get their guys in, super involved here. They're going to give Nicolosi as much passing reps as possible for down the stretch. I think he is their clear starter moving forward. The offense just runs better with him. I could see the the again the thing that's really selling me here is that I can see a. Three, four, five touchdown day coming from Nicolosi. I do not see that with Zeno or Chris or any or yeah, Zeno or Chris here. So I'm going to go shoot for the upside here with Fowler Nicolosi. All right, we'll go ahead and put our put our tokens back. Any arguments there, Justin, or are you ready to move on to our next question? No, no, that, that's a fair point. I, I think the point about Zeno versus Georgia is, is, is very well you know, placed. Uh, probably I'm putting maybe a little too much stock into that game. Uh, but as I said, he's been pretty consistent throughout the entire season too. So just going to roll with the consistent guy there. Sounds good. All right, next quarterback question. This one comes to us from A&ADFS on Twitter. He is asking us to start two of these gentlemen. He got Cade Klubnik. Going up against Syracuse, we got Darren Granger, quarterback out of Georgia State, going up against Troy. Or we can go Jalen Milrow, quarterback out of Alabama, going up against Mississippi State. I have been, I'm obviously a huge fan of Darren Granger throughout this entire offseason. I've been drafting him in a ton of leagues. I have him in a ton of my redraft leagues, and I have been going back and forth all week of, 
do I just trust Granger and his dual threat ability to just kind of find me the points I need? Or is that Troy defense scary enough for me to kind of ward myself off? Because again, you saw Austin Reed this past week. He, I, I was hoping that he, he would be good enough to overcome the Troy defense. And while he still found the end zone a couple of times, don't get me wrong, it was still kind of a lackluster performance compared to what we expect out of Reed. I am fully ready to have a pretty lackluster game from Granger against this Troy defense versus Cade Klubnick, Clemson. It's a little bit, it's a little bit difficult to tell where they're going to go from here. They're two and two. Everything that they remotely could have possibly had as a goal for the season is pretty much out the window. Maybe they can still get to 10 wins, just rat, rattle off a bunch of wins here. But the game is close enough. I believe Clemson's favored by about a touchdown. It's not exactly expected to be a shootout or anything like that, but Klubnik can do enough with his legs that he'll probably find the end zone, whether it's through passing or or on the ground probably two to three times in this game. I think I trust him to score more than Granger, so I'm going to start him. And then Jalen Miller is the one I'm probably the most comfortable with. I don't know what it is with Mississippi State and Alabama, but like the last couple of years, Mississippi State's just gotten absolutely like dog-walked by the Crimson Tide. Like it, The Alabama just comes in, does whatever they want to Mississippi State, I think Miller's in for a pretty big day there. He's one I'm probably the most comfortable starting here. So I'm going to go ahead and put my tokens up there. I'm starting Klubnik and Milrow. Justin, are you going to break my heart, and are you going to start the same guys, or are you going to go a different mm-hmm. route? Yeah, unfortunately, I think I'm going to break your heart here. Oh. Uh, that, that Troy defense is kind of... Yeah, they did a pretty good job against Austin Reed. Last weekend, granted, he's more, you know, that's like an air raid offense. He didn't really offer much uh, on the ground. Granger's a little bit more of a dual threat guy. So maybe maybe it goes differently. Uh, as far as Milrow, I would agree. Uh, he's sort of the guy I liked the most. Uh, I saw what Jaden Daniels did to Mississippi State a few weeks ago. Granted, Jalen Milrow is definitely not Jaden Daniels, but he has a similar skill set. And uh, you know, I, I like his chances. I think, you know, they've, they've just got like a renewed hope at Alabama. They had a big win last weekend. I think they're going to sort of ride that momentum this weekend. Mississippi State has been up and down. Uh, they really got, you know, uh, eviscerated by LSU a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, I, I feel pretty good about Milrow. Uh, and then, yeah, really the only deciding factor between Granger and Klubnik to me was just I, I saw Troy's defense last weekend and they looked pretty good against Western Kentucky uh versus say Syracuse also isn't really an ideal matchup but seems a little bit better than Troy's uh, I don't really like uh Klubnik that much as a player but as far as just the matchup here uh you know I mean it, I'm sort of splitting hairs between these two players it doesn't feel that that compelling but I, I would rather go with Klubnik the other thing I'm kind of thinking of here is that if, if Purdue, which has kind of been a, a, in their own up and down year, if they're able to put up 30 points against Syracuse's defense, I think I can trust Clemson to do that. And that's enough scoring to me to warrant starting Klubnik over Granger. Because I could see a world where Troy can not completely shut down the Panthers, but like it could be that the Panthers end the day with 14 to 17 points. And that scares the crap out of me as a fantasy owner. Because then what if... Marcus Carroll scores both of those yeah. touchdowns, then you're just screwed. Let's put our tokens back. 
both starting Miller and Klubnik. Let's move on to our running backs question. This one comes to us from Shady Sports. He is asking us to start one of these options between Quinchon Judkins, running back at Ole Miss, going up against LSU, or we could go with Amani Bailey, the running back at a TCU, going up against West Virginia, or we can go with Jonathan Brooks, the newly appointed RB1 for Texas, according to C. Sarkeesian, who is going up against Kansas. Justin, I'm glad that you are going first on this question because I'll be real. I'm kind of torn between two of the guys here. But which way are you going against starting one here? Yeah, well, I, I think I can probably predict which of the two you're torn on here. So the, 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 the easy sort of elimination, I would say, is Judkins. Just because, as we mentioned, yeah, we're not really sure what's going on with his health. Uh, for me, actually, I'm, I'm going to go with Bailey. Uh, I like sort of what I've seen from him uh, recently. I mean, really, he's been good all season. I mean, he started the season off with, with a decent uh, game. And then he kind of, they had this game against Nichols State where they just didn't really need him. Uh, but, he's, you know, he said he saw like 15 carries or something in that game. Still had a decent game, but they, they really didn't need to keep him in the game or rely on him. And then ever since then, like week three, week four, he's... Uh, clearly the RB1 there. He's gone over 100 yards in both games. Uh, he's been fantastic, actually, the, the past couple of weeks. Um, he really shouldn't be on the waiver wire in any leagues. Uh, he's he's an absolute stud at running back. And I think this is a good matchup against West Virginia. I, I expect TCU to be able to move the ball pretty well. Uh, and I think he's going to, you know, I don't see any reason why he can't continue to go over 100 yards. I expect him to score at least a touchdown here. Uh, granted, you know, a lot of the same things can be said about Brooks. Um, obviously, that system at Texas is extremely attractive also. So, you know, we are kind of splitting hairs here a little bit. Uh, but I just feel like Bailey is more of the offense of TCU versus Brooks for Texas. Like Texas could score from a distance a lot with their wide receivers. Maybe J.D. Sanders scores in the red zone. Whereas Bailey feels uh, to me like he's a little bit more of a prominent uh, guy in that offense compared to say Brooks. That's not to say Brooks isn't prominent at all in te- Texas, just slightly less. I have to pick one, so I'm going with Bailey. Yeah, no, I am. You were correct about who I was kind of deciding between. I think the easy cut or not cut, but like the easy out among these three is Quinchon Judkins. Again, I am very worried really about any running back that I start against LSU this year because let's look at their performance so far this year. Malik Benson, week one, 47 yards. The next week against Mississippi State, um, Woody Marks runs for 75 yards, 52 of them coming from one play. So they gave up one explosive play and then held him to 23 yards otherwise. So the, clearly that D-line is shutting him down. This past week against Arkansas, Rashad Dibinia was able to have a pretty decent game, 78 yards there. That's kind of your glimmer of hope if you're looking to... to start Quinshawn this week. But like you said, I just like the other two matchups just a little bit better here. Um, I like Amani Bailey against West Virginia. I don't really, again, in my opinion, Shady, I think you should find a way, if this is truly your running back like slot, you should probably find a way to get both Brooks and Bailey into your lineup somehow, whether that is putting one of them in your flex or somehow, some way. I think both of these guys are really good matchups or have really good matchups this week. I'm going to go with Brooks here. Solely because, one, both West Virginia and Kansas are kind of in a similar situation where they both have high-ranking rushing defenses, but I have a feeling 
that I'm going to distrust Kansas's high ranking just a little bit more because I'm looking at what Kansas has done so far this year. Let's run through their schedule real quick. Week one, Missouri State. Okay, it's an FCS team. They're not going to run on Kansas very much. Week two, Illinois. That's a pretty good running team, Jared. What are you talking about? Well, their running game got completely game scripted out because Kansas was able to score so quickly that Illinois had to abandon the run and go go to the pass. And if they did run, it was long scrambles from Luke Altmaier. Then you got the game against Nevada. This is the only close game where there wasn't really a huge game script disadvantage to their opponent. And that's where you saw the best rushing performance from one of their opponents. It was suddenly when once they were not forced to pass, you saw the running game for the opponent do a little bit better. And then this past week, very similar thing. BYU falls behind early to Kansas. They have to abandon the run, have to go to the pass. I think that they are Kansas so far as rushing defense is benefiting from the fact that their offense is so good at scoring, but they haven't faced an offense like Texas, one that can truly keep up with them for the most part. In fact, if 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 anything, it might flip the script here and force Kansas onto the wrong end of a game script, and Texas might want be the one that has to run out the clock here. So I think that benefits Brooks greatly. It you're you're picking between you're 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 struggling to pick here between you're 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 splitting hairs here between these two. But I think I'm gonna roll with Brooks there. I've also been forgetting all of y'all. My apologies to discuss what the model has to say about these. We're not gonna go back and do the quarterbacks. That's my bad. But for this running back question, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna ask you, Justin. What what do you think the model has? Yeah, I mean, I, I have absolutely no clue. Uh, I don't know how the model is is calibrating its results. Um, I'm going to guess, since Judkins' point output so far has not been quite as good as these other two, that he's probably the lowest. Um, yeah, give me Bailey as the highest scorer. Bailey's actually the lowest. I was kind of surprised by this, okay. it, but it's not by much. It's not by much. It's like Bailey is 19.41. Judkins is 19.45. The model likes Judkins for some reason this week. I have to disagree with the model there. I personally don't like the matchup, especially if this gets to be a high scoring game and everything. If Judkins doesn't have the explosiveness he's had in the past, he's going to quickly be relegated out of the game. And it does have Jonathan Brooks with 24.56 points against Kansas I believe that is the RB1 for the week according to our model which I was kind of surprised by but it really likes the fact that it's the Sarkeesian offense Brooks is starting to break away in terms from the rest of the running back room there I think it really likes the fact that he could be in for some monster games down the line here so let's move on to our second question here this one comes to us from Mr. Stephen Auchenhouse Full PPR league here, and we have Marcus Cooper versus Western Michigan, or we can go with Ishmael Mahdi, the running back out of Texas State, going up against Southern Miss. We kind of touched on him a little bit earlier, or we can go with RJ Harvey, running back out of UCF, going up against Baylor. This one was kind of tough for me. All three of these matchups are really, really nice. Western Michigan, 110th in rushing defense. Baylor, 104th in rushing defense. Uh, Southern Miss, we touched on that a little bit earlier. They're 100 plus, yeah, 120th 
against the rush. So like clearly like all three of these matchups are really, really good here. RV I was impressed by. Really UCF I was impressed by in general last week with their ability to keep up with Kansas State. I was kind of afraid once they got into Big 12 play that they were kind of going to get game scripted out a little bit. I think for me, I am going to roll with Ishmael Mahdi as my first start out of this bunch. And first, also, I have not put that back the tokens. My bad, y'all. I'm going to start Ishmael Mahdi. I have been, I, again, I, this sounds hypocritical because I said earlier, like a lot of these guys probably should keep on your bench another week. I think this is a really nice matchup for Mahdi just because, again, Southern Miss, not great against the run. We saw last week, this is kind of the thing that kind of sells me a little bit with Mahdi in the right matchup. Against Nevada, Texas State was struggling to pass on Nevada last week. So they had to make a switch at halftime. And part of that switch was getting Mahdi more involved. That's kind of the, why we saw the first time he really kind of broke out in terms of the number of carries that he was getting. They were like, hey, we've been relying on this dude the last couple of weeks around the goal line because he's been scoring a ton of touchdowns so far this year. Like They clearly consider him a pretty key part of the offense for the most part, but they're like, hey, if we can run on somebody, we're going to use, like, Mahdi will be our guy. Well, as far as I'm concerned, Texas State can run on Southern Miss, given the fact they're 120th in the country. I think that he's in for a pretty big matchup here. The other two are much more difficult. And obviously, the entire Ball State offense was probably one of the biggest disappointments in all of fantasy last week. Again, scoring only three points against Georgia Southern made no sense whatsoever. I, I still can't even really figure out what happened in that game. Completely fell apart. I'm expecting a bounce back week. Again, Western Michigan, terrible team overall in terms of its talent. I think I'm still going to roll with Marquez Cooper as a potential bell cow back for the Cardinals versus Harvey. I like Harvey, and in a full PPR league, again, he's got the receiving work that will probably help him out a bit there. But he hasn't really hit above 15 carries so far this year versus Cooper has gotten a little bit more volume at times when he is able to. So I'm going to sit Harvey and I'm going to start Mahdi and start Cooper. Justin, who are you going to go with here? Yeah, uh, I like this question. And and one other thing I'll mention is I think we forgot to update where we're at with our sit-start competition at the top of the hour. We sure uh, did. I will, I'll do that at the end of the show. Yeah, no problem. Um, so yeah, this is a good question. Um, yeah, Marquez Cooper and what happened last weekend, uh, I don't think anybody sort of has the answer for that. I mean, I, I knew going in, Sunbelt teams generally are much better than MAC teams, but I, I really wasn't expecting that level of dom- dominance. Um, it was ugly, but I'm willing to sort of just discard that. I mean, mac is sort of a safe haven for MAC players. <laughs> In Western Michigan, we literally just saw them get shredded by Penny Boone the week before. Uh, Marquez Cooper, we know what his role is there. Uh, he pretty much is the offense, uh, plus an occasional play-action pass to Tanner Koziel. Uh, that's basically what they do. So he should be getting a lot of carries uh, against the team where they should be able to run the ball effectively. Uh, as far as the other two... Um, yeah, so it sounds like you're starting, about... Cooper. Sorry, yeah, I should have said that uh, outright. Yeah, Cooper is one of my starters. As far as the other two, I'm not as bullish uh, with Mahdi, and it's more just because I'm not really sure uh, what to make of that situation yet. Um, you know, obviously he had a good game last week, and you mentioned you know he's been used as sort of a short yardage guy there. 
potentially the game script here works out really well again. Uh, but I'm kind of just going to go chalk on this one. Um, yeah. You know, obviously Cooper is the big name. He hasn't had a great season, but with RJ Harvey, uh, he's been pretty productive. Well, he's been quite productive, actually. I believe he's averaging over 20 fantasy points. You mentioned it, though, and that is the predicament. He isn't the uncontested volume pig in that backfield. Uh, Johnny Richardson certainly gets a lot of carries also, yep. but he manages, Harvey I'm talking about now, to score touchdowns every week. He manages still to get you good fantasy point output. Generally, I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm always a little skeptical of players like this because you're kind of waiting for the bottom to fall out. But he gets work in the receiving game. He gets work in the running game. I mean, he takes screens 50 yards to the house. He's just, he seems like a very good player. Um, So, you know, if he gets his 15 touches in this game, I I expect him to sort of continue doing what he's been doing, which I'll take that all day long. No, I think it's very fair. To me, this is a very, very close question for the most part. Well done, Steven, for providing this one. What does the model say, though? The model does not like me. Again, I went Cooper, I went, I went Mahdi. It has Cooper at 13.01 fantasy points this weekend. It has Mahdi at 18.06. It likes RJ Harvey the best at 22.12. I think that is in easily the top 10, if not top 5 running backs for this weekend. So the model really likes RJ Harvey for this week. So, Justin, that might be where you uh, finally catch up to me in terms of total points. So. Yeah, I guess we'll see. How does the model, like I imagine it's waiting... Cooper's like early season quite heavily just because he's obviously not been very productive, right? Yes, it, it usually heavily weighs their last three weeks. So obviously again against Georgia, that sucks. Against Georgia Southern, that sucked. He had a pretty good week a couple weeks ago. I forget against who they were playing. Indiana State. Indiana State. So he had a good week against Indiana State. So that's probably bringing him up a little bit right there. Um, it does heavily weigh that. It does take into account the fact though that again, Western Michigan has a terrible rushing defense it takes into a point the team totals from vegas and everything like that so it 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 boosted him up a little bit i personally think i if i had to bet he's going to finish with over 13 fantasy points this weekend so bottle and i definitely disagree there (laughs) so moving our tokens back let's go and talk about some wide receiver questions this one comes to us from the youtube comment sections as well mr joshua jeffcoat here he is asking us to start Two in this question. We got two freshmen in this question, and that always fun. We got Eric Singleton, the wide receiver out of Georgia Tech, going up against Bowling Green, or we can go Jeremiah Hunter, the wide receiver out of Cal, going up against Arizona State, or we can go Kevin Concepcion, the wide receiver out of NC State, going up against Louisville. Another really close one, in my opinion. I think you're very much splitting hairs with all three of these guys. But, Justin, who are you going with, man? Who are you going with? Yeah, I agree with you completely. This very much is a splitting hairs kind of conversation. Uh, first one for me to start, I'm going to roll Jeremiah Hunter. Um, I like that he's seen really steady target volume all season. He's seen... I believe eight targets every game, except one, which is I believe nine targets. He's just very consistent in terms of his target volume. This matchup is fine against Arizona State. Uh, no complaints really. There's, there's nothing that really stands out as a problem there. Uh, so I'm, I'm just sort of latching on to a guy that I know what his role is. He's been seeing steady target volume. Uh, so I'll lock him in. The other two, it's, it's, it's difficult. I mean, these, these other two guys are also seeing pretty good volume. Uh, Conception obviously broke out last weekend, and it stands to reason that 
he might start seeing even more targets going forward. That that makes a lot of sense also. Uh, but I'm going to roll a singleton. Um, I love the matchup. I really love Georgia Tech versus a Mac school here. Um, you know, you have a P5 versus a Mac school, but the P5 team, it's not a dominant, although they're pretty good this year, Georgia Tech, but they're not historically, you know, a massively dominant P5 program. So this game should be, you know, close enough to where Singleton should be in for most of the game, hopefully. Uh, and he's pretty prominent on that team. And Haynes King, uh, make all the jokes you want, but he's been pretty good this year for them. Yeah. You know, he's been slinging it around. So, uh, you know, with Louisville, or not with Louisville, with NC State, uh, like I said, Conception, you know, he might start to see even more targets going forward. He's basically, well, he definitely is their best receiver. Uh, and they are they have been struggling with drops and receivers just not really getting separation. So he's really separated himself, uh, no pun intended there, as a guy that Armstrong can sort of rely on. So I would expect Armstrong sort of, you know, targets him quite a bit in this game. But as a shareholder of Armstrong in most of my leagues, I've been watching a lot of his games. And uh, yeah, he hasn't looked great uh, so far. It, it hasn't quite looked the way we would have expected uh, from a reunion of Robert and and Armstrong based off what they did in 2021. So yep. I just don't like sort of the QB situation as much there. Haynes King this year, at least he's been pretty, pretty damn good to be honest. So that's a roll with Singleton here. Oh, we are doing so well, Justin, but I have to agree with you. Uh, I'm going to go Jeremiah Hunter, pretty much for all the reasons you said, I think he's the most established out of these two guys, clearly the number one guy, for Cal, I think he almost doubles the next receiver in target. So, like, I'll take that against an Arizona State defense that has just been giving up points to literally everybody this season. So, I feel very comfortable with that. The two freshmen, it was a little bit closer, but I think I'm going to still roll with Eric Singleton. Like you said, it's that matchup. And Singleton's, like, key thing is his speed. He has an a dot average depth of target for those of you if i haven't explained that already this episode of 19 so he is clearly being targeted deep often he has 17.9 yards per reception so far this year so dude is like clearly the go-to guy when they're just chucking it down the field he's the kind of guy that you'll get a notification on your phone and says eric singleton 75 yard touchdown like and they're going up against bowling green this should be the kind of game where he just absolutely cooks the defense, if not once, twice. This should be a pretty, for lack of better terms, a very pretty game for Singleton here. And also, again, like quietly, he's quietly had more targets than Concepcion. Like a lot of us are really big on like Concepcion as like a dynasty option moving forward, but Singleton's had 21 targets over the last two games versus Concepcion's only got 17. So. Now, granted, Singleton, because he's getting those deep shots, it's a lot more contested catches. You know, it's deeper shots. You're, you're not, he's not coming down with nearly as many as Concepcion. But even still, against Bowling Green for this week, I'm going to roll with Singleton. So let's move our tokens back and move on to our second question. Appreciate that one, Joshua. Let's go to our friend Goose here, who needs us to start one wide receiver out of a trio of SEC wide receivers, including one that Justin was kind of high on earlier. But we got to we got to decide between Ramel Keaton going up against South Carolina this weekend, or we can go with Jordan Watkins, wide receiver out of L, or wide receiver of Ole Miss going up against LSU this weekend, or we can go with Ladeatric Tulu Griffin. 
going up against Alabama, the wide receiver out of Mississippi State, in case I didn't make that clear. So, I'm going to start one out of this bunch, and I think the easy sit out of this bunch is... Um, by the way, apologies. I knew I was missing a graphic. Uh, that's clearly not Tulu Griffin, so apologies, Tulu. Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit Tulu though. Uh, not only because I messed up his picture, but also again, it's just the matchup I like the least. Alabama, for all their faults this year, still has a pretty dominant defense. For whatever reason, Mississippi State has struggled to score against Alabama, even in Alabama's down years on defense. I just don't. Again, it just. The volume isn't there as much for Griffin as it is with some other with some other players. I think I'm gonna probably not worry about that. And among the remaining two, I already talked about it a little bit, but Zachary Franklin's coming back for Ole Miss. There's a potential that Trey Harris might be back this week as well. So the wonderful volume, I believe Watkins had 12 targets last week. That wonderful volume may not be there. This week, if Franklin and Trey Harris are both up to speed, now they're both out again, or Franklin's like severely limited, like clearly Watkins could be a really good play against LSU. But I'm going to roll with Ramel Keaton. Again, doesn't have the volume, but he's clearly been Milton's favorite deep threat. Like he is the guy that, for some reason, Milton feels the most comfortable with throwing down the field to. And it also helps that South Carolina has one of the worst pass defenses, not in the SEC, in the country. They are 126 in the country against the pass, averaging 317 yards passing allowed per game. But there is a get-right game for Joe Milton and this Tennessee passing game. It feels like this is the opportunity for them to start dropping some bombs. Ramel Keaton, I think, will benefit from that, given the fact that you know Milton's been super comfortable throwing it to him all year down there. I'm going to roll with Ramel Keaton out of this bunch. Justin, who are you going with, sir? Yeah, this is a good question. And I was going to say, I was looking at the graphic. I was like, if Mecca Buka is available, I think I would pick him. Uh, yeah, actually, for me, actually, I'm going to sit Keaton. Uh, yeah, he hasn't really ha- had any noticeable games for me this year so far. I mean, target volume is just okay. Hasn't really had a breakout game. Uh, you know, the matchup for them is good this weekend. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but as far as the other two, you're right, like Griffin's matchup is not great. But even in that game where they got blown out, he actually still had about 14 or so points. And the thing of him is they use him in the run game. Like he gets carries also, which is something I always like. I, I love wide receivers. They're used in multiple ways. Uh, my interest in Watkins, I should add the asterisk, if I didn't make it clear before, is it is somewhat dependent on the health of the other two players. So. For sure. Uh, if those two are still walking wounded into this game, maybe they play, but they're not fully healthy. Watkins, I think, still is a guy who's a play for me. Uh, you saw last week, like he's the target leader in the clubhouse currently, because uh, the other guys just are not up to full speed. So it kind of depends, right? And uh, maybe more information comes out throughout the week. Uh, but as it stands, I just roll with Watkins, given the current information that we have. I don't, again, I don't know what's what's happening with Trey Harris and with Franklin. Um, if it turns out that those guys are, I don't know what, you know, if the coach comes out and says that they're both fully 100% to go, although that would be sort of odd for him to say, but it's... It's like Kevin, you never know. Hypothetically speaking, he comes out and says that, yeah, maybe I don't really like Watkins as much. Uh, Griffin, it's a terrible matchup. But I saw what he could do in the blowout versus LSU, and I might just still take a chance of him if, you know, 
uh, sort of the language from Ole Miss comes out where they're fully loaded at wide receiver. But given the current information, repository of information we have, Watkins has been solid so far. Uh, I like the matchup. I'm just going to roll with him. Yeah, I think the things that Griffin has going for him, even though both of us kind of sat him pretty early, is that he's the out of these three, he's the only one that's the clear number one guy for his team. Like Watkins, even without Franklin and Harris, like Dayton Wade is still kind of nipping at his heels in terms of the number of targets that he's seen this year. So Watkins still hasn't even really broken away from him. And the Ramel Keaton's like third on Tennessee for targets. It's just I think he has some explosive ability for this weekend that should help kind of mitigate any kind of volume concerns there. It's a very anti-Jared weekend. Typically I'm like super heavy volume guys, but like this weekend I'm like, I like some of these explosive guys and the matchups that they have. So we'll see if it works out for me. Maybe me going off script that I normally do is going to come out. I can bite me in the butt this week. We'll definitely see right now. I need to move back our tokens and we need to go ahead and start talking about some flex questions. And this first, oh, by the way, model, model, forgot the model on the last wide receiver question. Actually, I can go back to the wide receiver question. That's not too far back. Joshua, um, Eric Single, it has, of these three, Jeremiah Hunter as the number one guy at 19.92 fantasy points, has Kevin Concepcion at 18.69 fantasy points, and then Eric Singleton in third at 17.36. So, like me and Justin said, very close overall. It likes Concepcion a little bit more than Singleton, but I think it's fair to say that. And then for Goose, you're wondering who is the guy that the model likes out of these three. It has Tulu Griffin in a distant third at 16.21 fantasy points. It has Ramel Keaton at 20.5, and then Jordan Watkins at 20.82. So it is a very close, close matchup, or close decision between Keaton and Watkins. Obviously, Justin favors Watkins. I favor Keaton. You decide who convinced you better. Let's talk about these flex questions now. This one comes to us from Danny Hall a in a PPR league. He is asking us to start one out of these three options. He's got, or excuse me, yeah, no, this is from Dean Paul, excuse me. This question comes to us from Dean Paul. Again, I got Danny Hall and Dean Paul. Good Lord, y'all. Anyway, Dean Paul, full PPR league, asking us to start two out of these three. We got Ricky Pearsall, the wide receiver out of Florida, going up against Kentucky this week. We got Corey Kiner, the wide receiver out of BYU, going up against, um, no, Corey Kiner, running back out of Cincinnati, going up against BYU. And then we also have Kevin Concepcion, the wide receiver out of NC State, going up against Louisville. Monsieur Justin. Which of these two are you going with? I think we're going to be on the same page here, if I'm being real. Well, oh, well, I mean, that's too bad. I'm going to go with the two wide receivers. I'm skeptical on Kiner because I'm not really sure what his role is there now. He had that big week a couple weeks ago, uh, and I was excited about him. I think a lot of people were. I covered him in my waiver wire article, so I feel a bit bad about that because he <laughs> sort of uh, fallen off. Uh, it looked like early on, or at least after that game a couple weeks ago, that he might have secured that backfield. He had 20 carries and such, maybe over 100 yards. I can't remember exactly, but clearly they've sort of gone back to a split committee. Uh, also, you have Emory Jones there who runs quite a bit, steals a lot of rushing touchdowns. 
So I don't really know what his role is there. And uh, honestly, the matchup isn't fantastic either. The other two wide receivers, you know, Pearsall quietly has been quite productive and he's been making some highlight real catches too. Like he's actually a very good player. Uh, in conception, we talked about him earlier. I'm quite high on him. Uh, my only concern was just sort of the offense as a whole. Uh, but I like him more so than Kiner. I know conception is sort of the alpha now in that wide receiver room. Their matchup also isn't fantastic, but I mean, to be honest, none of these three matchups are, you know, cakewalks. Uh, so if we have to, if I have to pick two of the three, uh, I'm going to go Pearsall and Conception. Yeah, no, if, this is pretty simple for me. I trust the Cincinnati backfield the least out of these options. Like, not that I love the Florida wide receiver room, but I can, I could trust Pearsall. Like you said, he's been very quietly productive again not a ton of touchdowns because florida's not scoring a ton of touchdowns or anything like that but even still in a full ppr league that may not matter pierce all gets enough volume to where that it that shouldn't be an issue there so i like him and then kevin concepcion i actually think that louisville nc state could end up being a game where both teams hit into the 30s if not 40s so i think there's a lot of scoring opportunities for him there as well and it just kind of boils back down to like the in a PPR or in a in a flex question where you know it's full PPR, I'm probably going to lean towards the wide receivers more than I am the running backs, especially if it's a running back like Corey Kiner who's not catching like you know a potential four or five balls out of the backfield per game. So I like the wide receivers here. I figured we we're probably going to both go in the same direction there, but appreciate the question regardless, Dean Paul. What does the model say though? The model, model. Agrees with us that Kevin Concepcion is a start here. Again, 18.69 fantasy points there. It actually likes Corey Kiner slightly better than Pearsall. It has Kiner at 15.58 fantasy points and Pearsall at 15.28. So about 0.3 fantasy points difference there. I personally, just given that this is a PPR league, I'd probably still lean towards Pearsall. Let's talk about our other flex question here. Previous one was from Dean Paul. This one comes to us from Dan Hall. Another full PPR league. He is asking us to start one player out of these three. We got Jalen Buckley, running back out of Ball State. Or we can go RJ Harvey, the running back out of Baylor. Or we can go Jacob Cowing, the wide receiver out of Arizona, going up against Washington this week. So, Justin. No, not you, Justin. I go first this time. Anyway this is going to go against exactly what I just said a second ago. So y'all are probably going to slap me across the face being like, stop being hypocritical, Jared. I'm going with the running back here. And the crazy thing is I'm going with the running back that doesn't catch a ton of balls out of the backfield. I'm going with Jalen Buckley here. Yes, this is full PPR, but I'm sorry. It's just hard to beat a guy with 30 plus touch upside, especially when you're going up against a matching schedule here. I just don't, it's something that I find super hard to sit. Because again, RJ Harvey, his upside has been, what, two receptions per game so far this year? So it's not like, again, he's been like a super, it's not really been like a, it's not enough to really make up for a potential 15 plus touch difference between those two. And then Jacob Cowling's just been so up and down. Now, I think Cowling will be, forced to be involved because Arizona's going to be forced to score against Washington because Washington sure as heck ain't going to not score. So ain't going to not score, Jared. Good job on that one. Go back to English class. Anyway, Washington's going to score. So so Arizona has to keep up with them. So I think Cowling's a pretty good start here as well. But again, I just think that Buckley, given what we've seen, when the matchup is right, 
he goes off. And that's just what I have to trust here, even though, again, PPR tells me probably go with the wide receiver. I'm feeling good with my man Buckley. So, Justin, which way are you going to go, man? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you. For me, this one's actually no! a slam dunk. I don't, I don't share the sentiment that you have as far as, you know, the philosophy about flex position and sort of always going wide receiver and PPR. So for me, at least, this isn't quite as hypocritical of a take. Uh, I think Buckley has, you know, he just has every reason to smash it this weekend. Um, you know, you consider just these three players independently. I think Buckley, you know, is, as far as his matchup, uh, I expect him to just have the most points. So that's kind of what it boils down to. Um, you know, it's a great matchup. Should see a lot of carries. Should just absolutely smash it. Um, the other two, you know, they're good and they have decent matchups too, but Buckley's is better. So. Alrighty. What does the model say though? Well, we already talked about RJ Harvey earlier and the model really likes RJ Harvey this week. Again, 22.12 fantasy points has him as the highest amongst the three here, I have to disagree. I probably trust him the least out of the three here this weekend because, like you said, the touchdown regression is probably coming for him at some point. And then for Jacob or Jalen Buckley, it has him at 17.21 fantasy points, and it has Jacob Cowling at 17.15 fantasy points. So literally 0. .06 difference in terms of their fantasy output for this weekend. Again, my whole philosophy with like starting wide receivers over running backs in flex mostly has to do with like if it's close. Like clearly again in this scenario, like Buckley is clearly getting more touches, just a clear tier above Cowling just overall as a fantasy player versus like I don't know, if this was like Buckley versus I don't know, what's like say Lincoln like Lincoln Victor was healthy this week. Like who would I start amongst those two? Would it be Buckley who has the potential to get 30 carries? Or would I go with the Lincoln Victor who has a safe floor of nine fantasy points just from receptions alone? I probably would go with Victor. Because again, like you never know what might, what might happen with Buckley. So <clears throat> that's kind of my thought process there explained out. Let's move our tokens back and touch on our last question for the night. And this one comes to us from Mr. Austin Smith. A tight end question here. He is asking us to pick one between two tight ends here. Isaac Rex going up against Cincinnati this weekend. Or Tanner Koziol, the tight end out of Ball State, going up against Western Michigan. Justin, throwing it over to you first, man. Which one of these two are you going with? Yeah, I um, this one's close. I think I'm going to roll with Isaac Rex. Uh, he's been a little bit more consistent at that tight end position. Koziol, he's been up and down, although, you know, when he's been good, he's been quite good. He hit 19 fantasy points at one point. I think it was last weekend. Uh, obviously, two this weeks, past two weekend. Two weekends ago. Two weeks. Okay, yeah. But obviously, this past weekend was um, nothing short of a disaster over there. But again, like like with Cooper, I'm willing to sort of discard that. That was just a weird game. I mean, this is a good matchup, I mean, against Western Michigan. Uh, so really, you know, deciding between these two is kind of splitting hairs. Uh, but I, I like... I like both. They're both quite prominent in their teams. They're both basically the leading receiver there. Uh, and I actually have, like in two different leagues, a share of each of these players. So I, I followed both of them quite closely. Uh, you could make the argument, you know, Kozil's matchup is definitely better than Cincinnati. Um, but I don't know. Rex has been more consistent. I feel better about their offense. Ball State, I was watching or at least tracking what they were doing last weekend. And I, I just, it was... It was, uh, yeah, it was 
not good not, not good to see yeah basically yeah so you know with that uncertainty i think i'll go rex there's a little less questions i have uh, with him versus Cozio. No, I think that's totally fair, but I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go Cozio here. I'm expecting a bounce back performance for Ball State this week. Again, it's a much easier matchup, hopefully, for them there. And it's nothing against Rex. I actually think he's a really good start this week as well. It's just, again, Rex, I think, can be. He's currently leading the receivers for BYU, but I also think, like, any particular game, you know, he could quickly become the third maybe even fourth option depending on what kind of passes they're needing excuse me needing to make in that game versus cozy i think will always be the number one guy for ball state for the most part there's just nobody else that really stands out amongst the receiving options there so i think he'll be there week in a week out like you said obviously last weekend was awful but that was an anomaly hopefully if they if 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 they completely bottom out again against Western Michigan this week, that's a red flag for the entire rest of the season on that entire Ball State offense. But for now, I'm going to trust in the comeback, and we're going to roll with that. All right. Put the tokens back. Bring us back to our opening page here. And that brings us to the end of our show. Justin, another incredible show, sir. Really appreciate you hopping on once again. Again, you typically have your recap articles. You have your waiver wire articles that you put out each week. Anything else that people can be excited about, or are you pretty much do like any like um, offensive breakdown or offense breakdown articles or player breakdown articles you got in the works? What can you tease for the people? Uh, yeah, well, no, I appreciate being here again. Yeah, I thought this was another good show. A lot of good questions. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always got things in the back of my mind. Uh, if there's anything that's sort of interesting uh, to cover. Uh, there's nothing really specific I can mention right now, but no real article on that front that I'm cooking up. But as you mentioned, every week I'm doing sort of these, uh, one, I do a waiver wire report on Sundays uh, that I release to everybody on Tuesdays that are free and fully available. But if you want early access, you can be a paid subscriber. Uh, and then I also do weekly recaps, usually on either today or Wednesday. Uh, I do some DFS content too sometimes. Uh, that's not the primary focus, but I do cover that occasionally. Uh, and as Jared mentioned, and as I've mentioned every week, you know, sometimes I write on campus to Canton much less frequently. Uh, and I'm also uh, part of John Lobb's, you know, uh, waiver wire report on fan tracks as well. So uh, presumably you're playing CFF, you're on fan tracks. So uh, you've probably seen those articles already. Yes, sir. All righty, Justin, I know you got to get out of here. So I'm going to close yeah. this down. Really, really quickly, appreciate you being on. Appreciate all of you guys listening. We're in for another awesome week of college football. Can't wait to see you guys back on the other side for another week of waiver wires and sit and starts next week. Until then, appreciate you guys, and have a blessed weekend.